Well, it's good to be with you again uh, here at St. Botolph's, your lovely church. And of course, the church is the people, and not the bricks and mortar and stone. Christ the King. Christ the King. Now, that is a great, a wonderful theme for us to be holding uh, today. Uh, when we feel depressed about the state of the world, and that isn't hard, is it? Uh, with all the problems, difficulties, wars, uh, the absence of goodness and wholesomeness in leadership, uh, Issues of faith seemingly to be on retreat. It's good to remind us of the situation in the cosmic sense. I'll just read another little bit of that uh, letter of Paul to the Colossians. Talking about Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Our Lord is king. He is on the throne and one day, all will be revealed. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we must hold that two visions of Jesus. Uh, the babe of Bethlehem, uh, the teacher, the healer, the preacher, the man who bore our sins on the cross, on the one hand, and that's the image we have most often, but always have in mind uh, our Lord risen and ascended in glory, to whom we bring our prayers and intercessions. So I could stop there, but shall I carry on a bit longer? <laughs> Thank you uh, for that. I think we do have a couple of problems when we think about uh, the kingship, uh, the lordship, of Christ. And the first one I've out outlined already, um, we don't hold that vision as much as we should. Uh, the second problem is what do we understand? Bible. Uh, well, the start, the first king of Israel was Saul. Uh, the ideal was always theocracy, that God was the ruler and through the inspiration of the spirit uh, there would be judges there would be prophets uh, there would be the line of priests and they would represent uh, God but uh, in the early days of Israel uh, they wanted a king to lead them into battle the other nations had kings they wanted to have a king so they chose, uh, via uh, Samuel, the prophet, um, Saul, head and shoulders taller than anybody else, as somebody who would be their mascot, somebody who would uh, take them in, into battle. Uh, 
and give them victory, they hoped. That's an interesting picture, isn't it? That Christ is the one who fought the battle and defeated sin, death, and the devil. The other uh, ideal for the king uh, was as uh, a judge. Uh, after uh, David, uh, there was uh, uh, the uh, uh, Solomon. You remember the story of Solomon giving judgment over the two women who were arguing over whose babe it was? Uh, the king was there to dispense justice, but not justice, not justice only. He was there to preserve righteousness, to preserve justice. And that came up in that Old Testament reading. Did you pick that up? Uh, that uh, the promise was that there would be somebody raised out of the branch of David, the second king, the ideal king with all his faults, a man after God's own heart, uh, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. That's another picture of Jesus that comes up in Advent, that Jesus is the judge, that all things will be revealed, all things will be opened uh, before him at the end of days. But in the meantime, he is there as our example of justice, of righteousness, and especially the law of love, which should rule in all things. So here we have uh, pictures of the king that they would have. But I'm getting back to that thought that he is a different kind of king. And though he is enthroned in glory, he came uh, to earth, a unique aspect of his rule and kingship. One of my favorite hymns, which we sometimes sing at Christmas, is Thou who was rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became as poor. Thrones for a manger did surrender, sapphire paved courts for stable floor. Thou who was rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake, became as poor. How many of you have read The Prince and the Pauper by Mark Twain? A few have. How many have seen cartoon versions of The Prince <laughs> and, the, and the Pauper? You'll be familiar with the story. Um, and Mark Twain set it in a historical context. Uh, Tom uh, was born on the same day as Prince Edward, uh, the son of King Henry VIII. And they looked very much alike. Uh, Tom was, uh, lived in the, a poor part of the town, and he had an abusive father and, and grandmother. And, but he was fascinated by uh, the, uh, the prince and... One day he was outside the gates of the palace uh, and in his eagerness to get, go forward, the uh, guards beat him up, basically. Uh, Edward didn't like this, so he summoned Tom into the palace. 
And as they talked, they realized how much they had in common, uh, their date of birth, how much they looked like each other. So Prince Edward suggested that they change identity. Uh, he had a trick to make sure that uh, people would know that he was uh, the, the rightful heir. And so the prince experienced what life was like to be a pauper, to live in an abusive environment, to know what hunger was like, to know about the injustice of how poor people with scanty evidence could be hanged for stealing a loaf. And so he vowed that when he was king, he would set things to right. And at the date of coronation, uh, everything is sorted out. <laughs> and, uh, he uh, retrieves the seal. Uh, he is seen to be the, the king. Um, there's a story, uh, I believe to be true, that after the Second World War, uh, a soldier uh, was, an American soldier was on a bus in Sweden. And he chatted to the person next to him, had good English, and said that in his country it was so democratic that anybody could become president and anybody could have access to the president. And the man shrugged his shoulder and said, well, in our country we're so democratic that even the king can ride on a bus. <laughs> and yes, that was King Gustav uh, VI or the fourth or one of their kings uh, uh, anyway. Our king has ridden on the bus. Our king has sat where we are. Our king knows our joys and knows our sorrow. He's enthroned in glory, but he has shared our experience. I'm glad we sang Servant King. Because one of the great virtues of our sadly departed Queen Elizabeth is that she was a servant monarch, wasn't she? Uh, it shows that essentially she was a humble person who loved to be with animals and family and go for walks in the countryside. But her duty was to serve. And she did that to the very end. We have a servant king who we worship. Christ the king. Let's carry that vision of glory, that awareness of his in sharing our experience. But one final thought. I heard an African bishop once preach about the throne of our heart. He said all of us have a throne, a throne in our heart. The only question is, what do we worship? What do we hold most precious? Is it material things? Is it a relationship? Is it our own self? Or is it our own ego? Or is it that we have the Lord Jesus Christ enthroned within us? I asked the choir and they couldn't answer. Maybe some of you do know. Uh, on the back of this, there is that little text. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I've heard a chorus one time that says, 
Joy is the flag that flies to show the king is in residence here. If anybody knows it, tell me. If not, I'll have to go home and Google it. Uh, he's enthroned in glory. Let us enthrone him in our hearts too. Amen.